You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Well, a rough night for the Atlanta Braves. No two ways about it. They blow a ninth inning lead and get walked off in the 10th inning by another team on a long losing streak. Last week, it was Oakland. This week, it is the Detroit Tigers. Maybe it's week before last. Either way, you don't enjoy these too much. You hope to put them behind you as quickly as you can. And the Braves will have to do that after suffering a 6-5 loss despite having a 5-2 lead heading into the ninth inning. It was just not the day for Braves closer Rysel Iglesias in this defeat. We'll talk all about it here on the Braves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, Jake, there's really no sugarcoating that ninth inning whatsoever, and I don't even know that you'd want to. It might be a waste of sugar because there was nothing good about it for the Braves. It was hit after hit after hit against Rysel Iglesias, who once again seemed to struggle a little bit in a place where maybe the weather was a little bit cooler, but maybe I'm grasping at straws. I don't know. Yeah, just bad. I mean, he got hit pretty hard. I thought the velocity was okay in this one as opposed to the last time he pitched when it was cold and open. The velocity was just way down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at this game in general and Braves bullpen and just really got hit hard. And that's something you not we've not come to expect lately for this bullpen, no. but certainly not one of their best nights. No, it, it really wasn't. And we'll get inside the box score and the line score of this thing because we are gluttons for punishment, I guess. Game number 66 for the Braves. Had the lead all the way into the ninth inning, but came up a run short in the end. Now 40-26 and 26 on the year. Five runs, eight hits, two errors, 11 men left on base. We'll be talking about that. Tigers 27-37 and 37 as they stopped their nine-game slide. They had not been as bad as their losing streak, but clearly, if you're the Braves, you don't want to be the team that a club breaks its nine-game skid against. And unfortunately, they were with three runs in the ninth, another in the tenth, six runs on 15 hits, an error and 14 men left on base. So it's not like the Tigers... Didn't have plenty of chances as well. Alex Lang picks up the win in relief as a bullpen game for Detroit. He's 4-2. and two. Joe Jimenez charged with a loss 0-2. Oh uh, might have deserved a little bit of a better fate, and we'll get into that as well. Game lasted 3 hours, 7 minutes, 18,742. Paid to see it. It started with a good uh, outing from Charlie Morton, by and large. Five and two-thirds innings of shutout ball, four hits, three walks, eight strikeouts. I mean, I thought Charlie looked pretty good. I was a little bit concerned when he had to have the trainer come out when he was kind of flexing his shoulder a little bit uh, or just doing some kind of stretch after a handful of pitches, I believe, in the third inning. But outside of that, this was a good bounce-back performance for Charlie Morton for sure. I think it definitely was. Three walks in there as well, certainly not great. But overall, you saw the dominance that he can have, 17 swings and misses, 19 called strikes in this one. That curveball was going Really well. You did see the velocity down a little bit in this one. Don't know if maybe that had something to do with what happened in the third inning there, but still was obviously very effective against a very bad lineup except for that ninth inning and against the Braves bullpen. So good uh, good opportunity for Charlie to come out there and kind of get things back on track, and I think he did in this one, like I said, racking up those strikeouts, getting those swings and misses, looking more like the Charlie Morton that we're accustomed to seeing. Yeah, he definitely did. And, and that's something you needed to see if you're the Braves because, and, you know, not to you know harp on it too much because obviously Charlie stayed in well beyond the time that he got that mound visit. But you just had to think of the moment. The Braves rotation does not need any more question marks to be put in it, least of all somebody like Charlie Morton, who's kind of been at least a stabilizing factor for the most part of this season. I know there have been some good ones and bad ones and some in-between ones here and there, but he has been out there every fifth day that they've needed him and pitched into the sixth inning again, 104 pitches, 61 strikes for him in shutting out the the uh, Tigers over the first five innings of the game before leaving 
in the sixth. Colin McHugh came on, got out of some trouble there. Tigers got a solo home run that got them on the board. Then added another run in the eighth, but the Braves offense was doing this thing where it would just kind of keep adding. You had a run in the second for the Braves, two in the fifth, courtesy of Ronald Acuna Jr., one in the sixth, and another in the eighth on a solo homer from Michael Harris. So this wasn't a case where the Braves, kind of like Sunday, jumped out to an early lead and then couldn't figure out a way to put any more runs on the board. No, they. I mean, they obviously had some opportunities in there. I think the one where Marcelo Zuna left the game, which I know we'll talk about, but then Darno comes in in a bases-loaded situation, one out and strikes out there. That's not typical Travis Darno. He's usually going to put the ball in play there. So they did have some other opportunities. But, yeah, like you said, it's not one of those instances where they just scored early and then never scored again. I mean – you want to score, you know, you kind of cut the, the game in three frames, first through third, fourth through sixth, and seventh through ninth. They scored in, you know, each segment of those games there, so or of those segments of the game. So, I mean, the offense, you know, was able to score throughout. Obviously, in the end, needed a little bit more, but still, you know, it's a 5-2 game going into the ninth inning. They did their job. Bullpen, unfortunately, didn't do theirs. Yeah, Ozzie Albies, a sack fly early on, gave the Braves a one nothing lead in the second round. Lacuna Jr., two-run double. Made it a 3 nothing ball game. That came in the fifth. Acuna, with a fly out to right, was able to plate another run. Uh, and then you had the seventh, or excuse me, the eighth inning, the Michael Harris home run. And this was a good night for Michael Harris. I know we're going to have to talk about a whole bunch of not-so-great things a little bit later, but three out of four of the home run, two runs scored, or knocked in the run, obviously, stole a base, up to 205 on the season. Jake, he's 10 for his last 23 all of a sudden. Only three strikeouts over the course of the last six games. This is starting to look a little bit more like the results Michael Harris was really hoping to see, given all the hard work he's been putting in, trying to get his season on track. It's so great to see him going. You know how frustrating it's been for him this season, just not even getting any of the lucky hits. Like It's pretty much just been bad ball luck right now. Everything he's squaring up is an out, and then he's not even been getting the flukes to start the year. But I think you're starting to see that come around, as we've discussed over the past week or so. And getting on base, and we talked about this, when he's able to get on base in that nine spot, he's going to score a lot of runs, not just because of his speed, but because of who he's hitting in front, hitting in front of, and that's Ron Acuna Jr., who had three runs batted in tonight. I think that's a big factor when you're talking about Michael Harris and getting him going down in the bottom of the order, that it just gives Ronald more chances to drive in runs, and obviously, again, with Harris' speed when he gets on, just going to make this offense even more dangerous. So great to see Michael Harris get another three-hit game. He now has two in the past week after not having one all season. So, again, all signs are pointing upwards for Michael Harris. We knew he's probably going to get hot at some point and go on a run, and hopefully we're starting to see that. Yeah, the Braves have been looking forward to that all year. I know Harris has been working hard on it as well. Really, the only thing that didn't go right for him was the Ron Lacuna Jr. pop fly in that sixth inning. Mm. It kind of went out into no man's land. He might have gotten deked a little bit. Harris made it all the way to second base. Unfortunately, he stopped and went all the way back to first base, and so there was a force play there as the Braves made it a 4 nothing game. But outside of that, I don't think you can really complain too much about what Michael Harris has been doing, and particularly in this game. Putting the Braves' offense aside, there was the little matter of the ninth inning and, of course, what happened in the tenth inning. We'll talk all about that after I let you know about one of our great sponsors because this edition of the Braves' postcast is brought to you by eBay Motors, who reminds you a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and the same is true of your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for that green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. That's ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and, of course, exclusions apply. So let's go ahead and get into what was going on as we made our way to the ninth inning. That's when Rysel Iglesias uh, came into the game. In the seventh against Colin McHugh, it was an Andy Abanez home run. 
Detroit added another run on a Zach Short single that came in the eighth inning. It was a 5-2 ball game as the Braves had scored early and added on throughout the game. Then in the ninth, a leadoff single, then a Spencer Torkelson two-run homer to left center field, and that ball was absolutely smoked. It brought Jonathan Scope across the plate, then a third consecutive hit. You had to kind of feel like, Jake, at that point, this may not be Rysel Iglesias' night. He was able to kind of calm things down a little bit, get a couple of outs, a couple of strikeouts as well, but Zach Short single on a line drive out to Eddie Rosario. That brought Nick Maton across the plate, and it put Iglesias kind of against the ropes, but he was able to get the strikeout to get out of the ninth inning. But three runs allowed. The save had been blown at that point, and it sent the Braves into extra innings where things did not get all too much together, all too much better, obviously, with the walk-off loss. Uh, what were your thoughts overall on Iglesias? I know we touched on him kind of to start the show a little bit, but I felt like he really didn't have a feel very much for the slider. That might have been one issue for him. And he really wasn't, to me, relying on the fastball nearly as much as I thought that he might. And I don't know if that has to do with cold weather or just, in general, not feeling like he has command of a pitch or two. Yeah, a couple of the balls that uh, he left up got hit pretty hard, especially the ball to Torgelson, as you mentioned, a seeker right down the middle um, at 95 miles per hour. That got uh, crushed 440 feet right there. A couple of soft singles as well. Uh, Carpenter is, you know, had a soft single in there. The ball that short hit a line drive, you know, Dropped right in front of Eddie Rosario uh, there. Not altogether, you know, hit it hard. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, command, obviously, when I think when you go back and look at this one for Iglesias, just too many pitches left up, as you said. Didn't really have a great feel uh, for some of those uh, these sliders and even the changeup. He left one up as well. They got hit pretty hard. So, you know, rough outing for him. I don't know what you do about it. I know some people were saying Snit should have pulled him. Like, you're putting in your closer, you know, at what point are you going to say, hey, you know, and he, and he got with two outs. I mean, he after the home run, he got the force. He did give a single, then had a force out mm -hmm. and two outs there. So you still felt like he was going to get out of it and then gave up the single to Veerling and then the single to Short right there. So, again, I don't know at what point you're supposed to say, hey, my closer doesn't have it tonight, and then get somebody hot and bring him in. I just don't think that's fair to put that on Snit, but it just wasn't Iglesias' night. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that either because, I mean, this is the job, the responsibility, ultimately, of the closer. And, and as much as we'd like to, in hindsight, manage, and you think anything you put in there might be different, but there's a whole, I think, domino effect of making a decision like that, not the least of which is there's really not a better option in that bullpen than Rysel Iglesias to begin with. I don't really know if just different is better in this case because you don't know what different would have done, but he did have an opportunity to get out of that inning. He just wasn't able to get the outs that he needed before the Tigers were able to tie it up. So clearly the two-run homer put him on the ropes, and then they kind of dinked him a little bit and were able to get the runs to push it into extra innings. Jake, once we got there, we saw the Braves put Sam Hilliard out on second base. Uh, he was able to advance to third on a ground ball, and then a fly ball out to left field, about medium depth. I thought it was a pretty aggressive sin. Hilliard, though, is a fast runner. Obviously, he's got elite sprint speed. He made a slide that made that play closer than it ever had any business being, the Braves challenged it. I felt like once the out call was what we had on the field, it was not going to be overturned. But as it turned out, that out at home plate was a double play that ended the Braves' chances in the 10th. And, of course, we know the Tigers, as we're doing this postcast with the score right there on the screen, made the most of their opportunity in the bottom half. But what did you feel or what did you think about the send of Sam Hilliard there? I thought it might be a little bit aggressive. Yes, you force him to make a perfect play, but I don't know. I would have liked one more shot with one more hitter if it's not a sure thing at the plate in that scenario. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't know, you know, the history of the arm of the left fielder, but again, you got Ozzy Albies coming up. I mean, and somebody who's, you know, one of the best players we just saw hit a big walk off home run 
the other night. I mean, I think you maybe give your offense another shot. We know how aggressive Wash is at third, and a lot of times it does pay off, and Hilliard's very fast. So it's a tough call for sure, but probably, you know, because it was hit, you know, just a little over 200 feet there, probably should have held him up and let Ozzy always get a crack at it. Yeah, I just feel like just giving yourself another opportunity might have been the play there, but I wasn't in the moment, much like we talk about, you know, with changes you could have or would have made with this reliever or that reliever. If you felt like it would change something, you know, all we're doing is managing in hindsight at this point as well. So when the Braves do it and it works out, it looks great when you do it and the other team is able to make the perfect play and make a tag, then obviously you're kind of left to wonder what if you had had another opportunity at it. But as we know, the Braves did not get one. Joe Jimenez came in. Of course, the runner is automatically on second, just as it was for the Braves in the top half. A little pop-up bunt towards Austin Riley. I felt like that was the play that kind of undid that whole inning. He came in, got caught in between. It short-hopped on him. I don't think he was going to catch it in the air, but he wasn't able to make a play and get an out anywhere. And obviously, that put the winning run on third base, and the Tigers were able to bring him home on the very next play. I don't know that it would have mattered. That ball to center field was deep enough for a sack fly. So maybe it's a moot point, but it just seemed to be the one more thing that was going wrong for the Braves in the late innings. Well, and then you had the line out to Ozzy Owies as well. So, you know, assuming things play out the way they did, you know, could have made a big difference there because then maybe that ball gets caught by Michael Harris. Again, assuming everything plays out the same way. But yeah, just tough way to start the inning out there. You get a runner on second. You didn't score in the top half and they bunt the runner over at third. I know people, a lot of people don't love small ball, but it really swings things in the favor of the home team there. So, yeah, uh, it worked out. And, again, Riley just couldn't make the play. Had a great, like I said, leaping catch by Ozzie Albies to snag the one on the next batter. And then, unfortunately, Spencer Torgelson, who had himself a ninth and a tenth inning with the uh, big home run and then the game, the walk-off there. So, uh, yeah, just unfortunate. Braves couldn't get it done. As you said, hate to really hang the loss on Joe Jimenez there. Not much he could really do, but in a very tough situation. Um, but yeah, you needed a big strike out there. Unfortunately, it wasn't able to get that after the field uh, or making a play on a bunt there and just not getting it out. Yeah. And it's obviously worth pointing out. You brought up Travis Darno coming into the game because Marcelo Zuna was out. I'm going to get to that in a moment, but overall, the bases were loaded there. That felt like one of the big opportunities. Braves had runners on throughout the night. They only left eight on, but they were also only one for 11 with runners in scoring position. That's one of those things when even no matter how much you can lay it at the feet of the closer on this night or on the bullpen in general for giving up some runs in the late innings after Charlie Morton was out of the game, the offense had more opportunities than they put runs on the board. So it all kind of goes together. Takes a team to win, takes a team to lose as well. Unfortunately for the Braves, they have another injury in this game, Marcelo Zuna hit by a pitch uh, in the right wrist or palm area. The Braves are calling it a right wrist contusion. He is listed as day-to-day. We'll see what happens ultimately with his status. But for Ozuna, a base hit before getting hit by the pitch has an eight-game hitting streak going. And I don't know that we need to bring anybody up to speed on the fact that since May the 1st, it has been Marcelo Zuna, and he has turned his whole season around, and it has been a, a complete resurgence for him that's not a hitter you want to lose for any length of time, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, I don't think many of you would have thought we'd be talking about the big loss of Marcelo Zuna injury. But here we are. Uh, yeah, but here we are. I mean, the Braves do have Travis Darno. I know it's a bit of rough night for him coming in place of Ozuna there going over three, and they said not coming through with the bases loaded and one out. But the Braves do have some options there. They can play with Travis Darno uh, and, and Sean Murphy in that DH role if they need to if Ozuna is out. But there's no doubt Ozuna has been – one of the better hitters in the Braves lineup for over a month now. So it'll be a, a big loss if, you know, it is 
bad right now. Every, like we said, everything looks negative, just calling a contusion. But we saw that happen with Pete Alonso. He said it was negative and then uh, get more testing done, and he goes on the IL. So we'll have to see what happens once they do further testing. Yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. The Braves, though, don't want to be without one of their better and more productive hitters. Uh, the way that, the, that Marcel has been swinging the bat, it has been a – revelation really i mean honestly it's not just turning his season around it might be turning his whole career around at this mm -hmm. point so not to make it over dramatic because hopefully it's not that's just not a hitter that you want to lose particularly when you're looking for opportunities to score run runs plural in a game like this mm -hmm. how big could marcelo zuna have been in three or so other plate appearances we will never know braves though in losing back-to-back -back games including sunday's game against washington this first one against detroit have a three-game lead over the miami marlins a second place club in the NL East, they're 37 and 29. Are the Marlins Braves at 40 and 26, uh, just behind the Arizona Diamondbacks now for best record in the National League. But that, of course, an accolade that they can worry about later on. They just want to pick up as many of these wins and win as many of these series as they can, and they'll have another chance to do that beginning on Tuesday when they try to even things up. Behind Spencer Strider, he will be facing the Tigers in Game Two of this series. It is Reese Olson a right-hander, 0-1 on the year for Detroit. Strider, of course, eight earned runs in four innings against the Mets last time out. I guess we can start with the fact that uh, he needs a bounce-back performance in a big way, and secondarily that, hey, he doesn't have to face the Mets again. That's a club that seems to have had his number for whatever reason. Yeah, great opportunity here for Spencer Strider, just like with Charlie Morton, to really get back on track. I mean, his worst outing of his career last time out, you know, going up against a team who is last in the league in OPS, even though they didn't look like it in that ninth inning there, but has been a really bad offense so far this year. So a good chance for him to go deep in this game, put up a bunch of zeros, get a bunch of strikeouts as well, and hopefully get the Braves back in the win column. Well, the Braves will be looking for Spencer Strider to do just that as he matches up with Reese Olsen in a battle of right-handers that starts at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time at Comerica Park in Detroit. That'll wrap us up here on the Braves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, and make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. Once again, your final score, it was the Tigers 6 and the Braves 5 in 10 innings. We'll be back at it tomorrow on the Braves Postcast to recap Game 2 of the series. And until then, so long. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 